Welcome to Straight from the Muzzle, folks, where we are anything but straight. My name is Space. And I'm Sparrow. And we welcome you to our episode, which is about what today? This is going to be our Fangasms episode part that is so two. Cool. Are you talking about my dragon? Yeah, that is so <laughs> legit. I know, right? I made Sparrow send me a picture of like this 3D printed dragon and it looks rad. I want to play really with cool. it. It's really cool. It's a holographic rainbow. <laughs> oh, it's so neato. So welcome to Fangasms. We haven't done one of these for a while where we kind of get together and we read a bunch of emails that we've compiled over the past few months. So if you haven't heard us respond, that's probably why we're getting ready to make it an episode. And also because I'm just really bad at replying back to emails. (laughs) I see them come in. They're on my phone. I see them come in, but they're usually coming in right when I'm at work and I can't get to them. And the internet at my work just sucks balls. Well, here's the other thing about saving emails is that we have a handful of different hosts on the show. And it's more fun to be able to respond verbally through the actual podcast. That way we can give some shout outs to the people who do email us, as well as giving multiple hosts the opportunity to respond to whatever the person is talking about. So it's just a really fun way to get responses in. Yeah, I've always liked going through them because while I can respond, you know, through typing in an email, I love verbally responding to things. And what's really cool about reading emails on our show is that they're so inspiring in a way. You guys write into us because for some reason we have, you know, spawned, you know, goodness and greatness in your life and your life has become better because of it. And I love reading those emails. Those ones totally get me. I always tear up. <laughs> I'm a stereotypical gay, but I really do love seeing that. And some of you guys do pour your heart out as you should. If you really want to trust someone like us, we're not going to tell anyone else. You know, we'll give you, you know, honest opinions and we'll try to answer the questions that we can. Uh, legally um what was what was that that just came out of your mouth uh, i was going like uh. <laughs> it sounded like a burp but like uh. the most painful <laughs> oh my god it startled me i jumped <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh legal because we can't always answer some of the questions that you guys have and sometimes we get emails from minors and we have to be really careful on how we respond to those two because again they're minors and we're like in our 30s so yes. age <laughs> difference yeah now why don't you tell a quick story before we delve into our emails what little surprise popped into our paypal account recently like <laughs> oh my god okay so i won't maybe i will don't, don't. name names i'm not gonna name names, names but someone i'm assuming they're a furry because of how they phrase this but they basically said that they're having a rough time getting into a fur con and they're wondering if we could help them out because it'll be their first convention so what do they do they invoice us $10 over PayPal. I'm sorry, who the hell does that? That doesn't, uh that pissed me off so much. One, we don't have a PayPal account associated with our podcast in general. So I don't even know how this got through, but it somehow did. And two, you don't just ask for money. Not for something like a furry convention. Now, and here's where it made me uncomfortable and a little disappointed is that if you need a couple of extra funds to get to a furry convention, then that's one thing, but it's not a necessity, right? It's not food. It's not medication. It's not shelter. It just reminds me of the days when people would try to make GoFundMes for fursuits. And it's like GoFundMe is supposed to be for emergency situations or for tragic situations. A furry convention or 
or a fursuit or artwork, anything like that, you shouldn't have to ask for donations for those things. You should be able to raise the money yourself in order to go to them because it's not a necessity. If somebody had emailed us and sent us a donation invoice like, hey, you know, I'm having trouble getting my medication this month. If you guys have anything to spare, $10 would really help. Something like that. It wouldn't have made me as mad. Still a little uncomfortable. I'd rather just have somebody email us something like that instead of sending an invoice. But we're not sending out like a bat signal saying, if you need help with funds, send us one of those you know messages. Because yeah. in the end, this is a 100% volunteer effort. We make no money off of this thing. No, we actually lose money. Yeah. And I put a lot of out-of-pocket into this to make it work. So I don't necessarily have money to give away. If I do, it's to pay a bill or to, you know... <laughs> pay off my credit card. Um, <laughs> but that's about it. It's not like we just have willy-nilly money just laying around to give out. We just don't. But it's also etiquette. It's not respectful to do that, especially since you didn't come to us first. You didn't try to come to us through Twitter or through email. You just did that. And that right there really just miffed me. I didn't like that at all. Yeah, it was a little uncomfortable. So if you need money for an emergency situation, there's no shame in making a post or something on Twitter like, hey, I could use some help. Here's my Kofi if you can donate or my PayPal or my cash up, whatever. But you you just don't go sending people invoices on PayPal saying, hey, I could use some money. It's just directly like messaging them saying, hey, can you give me 10 bucks? No. (laughs) Yeah. Especially if it's for a non-emergency thing, like going to a furry convention, like that's just highly inappropriate. So y'all don't do that. Like, and especially if the person who did that is listening, like it's just not appropriate. It doesn't mean we hate you or anything like that. It's just something you have to learn that it's not appropriate to just send invoices to people like that. So that was a random email we got. We were like, what is this? Do we owe somebody money? And then we read it and we we're like, no, this person it was weird because asking. It, it came in like twofold. So the first one was the actual request. And then the second one was PayPal noting us that the transaction had been canceled or something. And I'm like, yeah. we don't even have an account. How are we supposed to like... <laughs> exactly. How does that work? It, well, if you have a Gmail account and it put your Gmail into it, then it'll send you an email, but it won't... If you don't have an account, then you just don't have an account. Yeah, and that's because Google pretty much has, I think it owns PayPal, and it's also associated with eBay, and PayPal was huge with eBay. So those are all kind of like integrated in, so I can see the whole Gmail thing. Yeah, but But on the positive side, we did get something really cool in our email. Why don't you talk about Onyx? Yes. Okay. So I feel bad because I got an email initially end of June, and this came from Onyx, and they basically said, I'm a new follower of your podcast podcast (laughs) not per cast so far i love it it's super fun chill and i love the little bits of comedy thrown in i could go on forever but i decided to email you guys because i wanted to know if i could see some references of space inspired because i like to make fan art i love it when our fans send in fan art or ask for our references because i know there's going to be art to follow so i gave them our references and they sent it back a couple of days later and i just got it like last week basically and the art Art is super cute. And so I'm actually, you'll notice that the thumbnail of this episode is the art that was sent into us. So thank you so much, Onyx. That is so cute. And I can't wait to print it off and slap it on my wall. (laughs) Yes, thank you. It is so adorable. I also love the way they colored. It's very vibrant. Oh, yeah. If you guys ever want to make art of us, 
whether it's like basic art and you're not sure how to draw or to more technical stuff, you can always do that. Send us an email requesting our reference. We'll definitely give it out to you guys. No big deal. And then, of course, we'll shout you out on our podcast. Mm -hmm. And on Twitter. Yeah. So thank you, Onyx, for doing that. It has made our day. Very cute. That sounds disgusting. All it is is I'm holding water and then I <laughs> I look down and I I basically uh, suck it in. I don't like it. <laughs> Have you seen? Oh my god. I don't care if this part gets put into the show because it's kind of funny. <laughs> Have you seen the video of the parrot or it's like a bird and he basically says cock and then he's like <laughs> uh. <laughs> It's so funny sounding it's disturbing but it's so good have you not seen it oh jeez, no i don't think so yes opportunity is knocking it's me all right our next email comes from avalon and they asked hey could you recommend some good fursuit makers that are cheap and do not take that long but are still pretty good so space and i have talked about the fursuit making triangle where each three points is good fast and cheap so essentially what they're asking for is a fursuit maker that is more affordable doesn't take too awfully long and has you know decent quality now if you're looking for work that is fast and cheap it's not really going to be good so it's kind of a tough question to get a fursuit maker that does those two things but i did have three in mind and i'm gonna go from cheapest to most expensive all three of these fursuit makers are very very good quality and they also have faster turnaround times than some of the more you know expensive fursuit makers so their first one is clown car critters they are currently open for commissions and their prices start ahead is one thousand dollars that's their starting price hands are two hundred dollars Arm sleeves are $100, feet paws are $350, tails start at $100. These are all starting prices, keep in mind. Your prices can go up depending on complexity. So they bulk it out to where if you just want a head, you can get a head. If you want to make it a partial, you just kind of add up those prices. Well, don't get ahead of yourself. Me? Get it? Don't get ahead. Oh, boy! I am too tired for your shenanigans. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you shouldn't have started recording then. (laughs) (sighs) So Clown Car Critters, they are a newer fursuit maker, but I've actually known this person since I first joined the fandom. They bought some of my first ever fursuits ever, and they started making their own the past couple of years, I believe, the past two years they've been making. And their suits are great quality, and they are very, very affordable, and they have a really quick turnaround time. So I really suggest them. Their Twitter is at clown car critter the next fursuit maker i want to recommend is actually a fursuit maker i mentioned in our blfc review we have heads and tails their commissions are currently closed but their prices are really affordable their turnaround time is pretty quick and their quality is really nice they have a good toonie style they sell a lot of pre-mades and their pre-mades are typically running at around 2600 2000 around that for a mini partial, which is a pretty good deal considering a lot of fursuit makers charge 2000 for just a head nowadays. If you get a commission instead of a pre-made, their heads start at 1500 Their mini partials start at 2000 A basic partial is 2400 A plantigrade full suit is 3200 And a digigrade full suit starts at 3800 
So they are also a very good quality suit maker. Skilled. Yeah, very skilled, very tuny and adorable, good prices, and they have a quick turnaround time. And then the last fursuit maker I'll mention is West's Custom Creations. They don't take commissions as frequently, but when they do, they do have a very quick turnaround time from what I've seen. They have a really cute toony style and their prices are a little more expensive compared to the other two fursuit makers, but still very greatly priced for the quality that you get. Their heads start at around $2,000. Partials are around $2,600. At least mini partials are, and then they go up from there. And all of these fursuit makers will be linked in the description description sweet sweet all right our third email we have interjecting real quick yes okay go ahead just peeking my head in i just want to let everyone know that i'm making sparrow read all the emails because i'm not really good at reading them out loud so just if you're wondering like well why is she speaking most well that's why (laughs) (laughs) well also i figured you didn't know fursuit makers off the top of your head just based on price and turnaround time on your own no especially since some of the fursuit makers i know are now negatively associated with things so i just don't list them anymore valid so yeah i'm gonna be reading the emails but space is still gonna respond to them So our third email is from Rex, and they're talking about the VR furry community. They say, Hello there, I'm Bavarex, but most people usually just call me Rex. I listen to the podcast on Spotify, and I have enjoyed listening to it for a while. There was one specific topic I was interested in talking about, and that is the VR furry community. For example, the largest furry convention ever, which was removed from the standings on the wiki because the admin classifies virtual conventions as not real conventions. That kind of sucks. Ooh, a convention's a convention. Yeah, I know. It was recently hosted in VR chat. Virality Aqua was recently held, and there were over 15,000 people registered. It's amazing for people who are unable to go to conventions for one reason or another, and they're able to accomplish things that wouldn't be possible in real life. The Ferality team is amazing, with a Discord that has 19,000 users, and they are mostly all volunteers dedicating their time to creating these beautiful worlds. They bring people on to have live concerts, streamers to give guides on how to stream, and many other events. Along with that, there are DJs 24 hours a day during the con, even while no events are happening. Once again, thank you so much for reading this email, as your show has meant so much to me, even inspiring me to start my own podcast with a friend. I hope you have an amazing day. First of all, you should tell us what your podcast name is. I would love to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I pulled up Ferality Online, or it's just basically just ferality.org. And I think it's a little ridiculous that it got pulled because it said it wasn't a real convention. The website makes it look like a real convention. <laughs> <laughs> this website looks better than some websites from physical conventions. I know. I know. So I really like it. It looks really like something I want to go in and play with. With VR, Like it has been requested before, and I really want to delve into VR and kind of just see what all the hype is about. It is like a goal to get an Oculus like a base one. And then Sparrow and I will go in and we'll do like a review of it and talk about VR and stuff. And then maybe we can even have a VR guest as well. So it's just that VR equipment is typically really expensive. Now, I know you can also play VR with your computer as well, but it's not the same. Yeah. So I have an Oculus. It's like the cheaper, just basic white one. 
And I haven't tried VR chat at all on it. I've basically just been using it as a Beat Saber machine. (laughs) Nice. But I've been wanting to try it. So Space and I will try and figure it out. And even if we aren't able to get into VR chat ourselves, if you have any recommendations on any VR furries in your community that would be good for us to reach out to, feel free to email us and let us know who those people are so that we can ask for their help or ask to see if they want to be interviewed. I'm trying to think of one. There is one that really does stand out they're not a corgi they're like a shino ibu is that how you say it shino, shino. Sh- shiba inu thank you, you shiba <laughs> the shiba king that's what it is the shiba king <laughs> oh god i think they're a collective i don't think it's just like one person but they're huge into vr i don't know if they're furry though but like sparrow said if you know of anyone let us know and then we'll get into it also if you know of any like good ways to play VR besides not using the Oculus or anything else, feel free to let us know and I'll jump in there and create something. Something. Anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you can download like skins and things that you can romp around in so you don't have to get like a custom model or anything like that because that can get expensive. But there are some that you could download and just use that furries have created. But yeah. So we are definitely going to be doing a VR episode because it's definitely become a huge aspect of the furry fandom. I mean, FWA and BLFC both had VR furry events and and digital parts of the convention. And that in itself is just really cool. So we're definitely going to be talking about it. We just got to do a little bit more research because it is such a technical thing. And we got to know what we're talking about before we hop into it. I wonder (laughs) if online conventions fall in the same category as VR conventions then. Because there are some that don't do VR. but are online you know honestly it should be its own category like i'm sad that i got pulled from the biggest convention label because i know it it's a lot of hard work making something like that especially in vr but i can also see why they did it because it does feel like two completely different animals you know a physical con and a digital con i can see that i have seen a i think it was like a 100 digital and this was vr remake of like Confuzzled. I think it was Um, Confuzzled. That was so cool. I remember that. And I'm like holy shiz. This thing looks legit. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like down to the T like everything there because if you see pictures like I don't know what the hotel looks like but I know what the hotel looks like based off of you know years worth of like first few pictures and just pictures in general and then I looked at the whole concept of the virtual version of it and I'm like holy shit. So cool. (laughs) And again, that's all volunteer effort right there, too, which is cool. All right. Our fourth email comes from Jordan, and he's talking about, or they, I don't know pronouns. I'm just going to go with they for everybody. Episode Tangents. Hello. I recently started listening to your podcasts on my cycling trips. I've been enjoying the host personalities. Starting with season eight, episode 15, First World Problems. I returned to the beginning episodes, and now I'm on season three of the Spotify uploaded podcast. So we have a lot of people coming from Spotify, which is cool. We do. We have had a lot of tangents. We have. Yeah, tangents are a big part of our show. And honestly, one of my favorites. I get it. He continues to say, actually, who am I besides a fan who cycles? I've been interested in the furry fandom for three or four years since I was around 17. I'm not heavily involved yet. I bake mediocre bread. I am learning how to do digital art. I'm studying civil engineering. They are learning Blender and they want us to drink lots of water. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I should. Well, no, I mean, dude, okay, during COVID, I drank, no joke, like 
four quarts of water in like a couple hours span. And at one point I'm like, where's it all going? I haven't even painted it out yet. <laughs> Just sweating it out. Yeah. <laughs> I drink so much water though that I just became used to it. And then after that, I just don't really like drinking soda anymore. It just doesn't have, you know, the same. I don't know. I guess when you're forced to drink water, it's different. You get Maybe that. so. So they are going on to talk about some tangents that we've had in our episodes. They say, I know it's common to run over animals because they can't be told our rules, but I've got no driver's license, nor do I necessarily want one. And I've run over too many snakes with my bike. It's terrible when you're able to watch it get crushed under the wheels of your vehicle, but not as bad as running over a big animal, I'm sure, but poor snakes. For space... Do snakes become ghosts or are befriendable animals the only ones that have that ability? You know, okay, so <laughs> it seems like that is a question I would be asking. And the first thing I thought of was like shower thoughts, like my shower thoughts episode. And I asked Sparrow the other day when we were creating these notes and I'm like, like, think about it. Can snakes like come back to haunt you? Like if you run <laughs> over and kill them or whatever? Like, I don't know. I mean, if it applies to the human world, why doesn't it apply to the rest of the world? You know, and it got me thinking because I have heard of people talk about ghost stories that involve like dogs, cats, and even horses because yeah. horses are highly involved in like war and stuff. So I'm sure <laughs> they got killed too. But I'm like, but what? but what if... What if you can have a ghost snake? Can you have a ghost cockroach? That's a nightmare. Oh, God. Can you imagine just having like a nightmare and then like a ghost spider pops in and it's like, you killed me. You killed my brothers and sisters. And like you're just having all these like vivid flash to like moments of all the spiders that you killed. <laughs> oh, no. You know, what? it makes me think of, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. If anybody else has had this happen to them, tell me if this is a common human thing. But I'll like wake up in the middle of the night in a little sleepy stupor and I'll look like to the blanket or the mattress next to me. And I swear to God, sometimes I'll see spiders and and I always like just tank my blanket and quickly like whoop and try to squash it. And I'll hold my hand down on it, reach over and turn on my lamp and then slowly lift up my blanket to see if there's a squished spider. And there never is one. And this has happened to me dozens of times in my life where I think there's a spider. I try to squish it with a blanket. I turn the lights on and nothing is there. And That's I'm like, so Am I a psycho? Is it a ghost spider? <laughs> No, I've never personally done that before. I'm more or less like, I'm aware of everything in the room. So when I wake up and I see like a shadowy spot on the ceiling, I'm like, <gasps> Speedle. I call them Speedles. I know they're called spiders, but I call them Speedles. And then I'll wake my husband up and I'll be like, <laughs> kill it, kill it. Or I'll be like in the bathroom and he'll be doing something. And I'll be like, spider. And then I make him come and kill it because I don't want to touch it. Not the Speedles. <laughs> Not the Speedles. <laughs> They had their own ghost story. They said, in a new house I moved into, I had one very vivid ghost encounter. I heard two deep human-like voices speaking in an empty upstairs room. Oh. It sounded like they were speaking a language, and I heard the syllables clearly. I just didn't understand the words. They stopped talking when I approached the room it was coming from, and I didn't hear it again. That's the only story I can claim as a ghost story, but it was mysterious. They were probably like... Uh, hello, we're having a conversation. So they're like, hey, fucking rude. Yeah, and they're just like, we're gone. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, don't know when this will be read. Just thought I'd give something to read because it doesn't sound like there are too many active stories coming through the email advertised at the end of each episode. Enjoy the summer break. I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we will get emails. We don't get a lot of stories like that, though. So that no. is a nice inclusion. 
We do get emails that do have stories, but sometimes the stories don't make sense or it's coming from a minor. So the grammar is like really, really basic. We'll just say mm-hmm. that. So it's kind of hard to read those out loud, but they don't like roll in as quick as I'd like them to. <laughs> it's okay. We'll take what we can get. All right. Fifth email is from Flood Dog. They said, hello, space in the gang. You can call me Flood Dog, which has been my username for most things since I was 11. I'm 22 now. Or you can call me Pira, which is my fursona's name. Pira is a protogen and non-binary, even though I am a cis male. I did that because I noticed when most of the D&D characters I made end up being androgynous. I guess I feel more comfortable when I'm in a situation when I don't have to worry about gender norms. Hmm. I'm pansexual, so that makes for some alliteration. Pira, the pansexual protogen. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) I'll try not to explain my whole life story through this email. I'll save that for other emails or the telegram. I would love to see it on Telegram now. (laughs) I will say, I love that you've kept the same username since you were 11, and now you're like a whole ass adult. I've changed my username three times now. I've been in the fandom for 14 years. That's not too awful. But when I was a little, little kid, my username was Freak My Life. And then when I got into high school, I changed it to Mothsicle Suits. And then finally this year, I changed it to Sockeye Sparrow in Sockeye Studios. I think mine stayed pretty relevant. Yeah. My email username has always been Jedi Knight Space, like S-P-A-C-E. Mm-hmm. And that across the board, I'm sure if you were to like Google it, it would pull something up. Because you've had it for so long. Yeah. And so I've often wondered, like, what accounts have I created? Maybe I should go and delete those. I don't use them anymore. But I'm just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> After hearing some of the other emails that have been sent in, I was pretty surprised to hear that so many of them were so relatable. As an example, the way I found your podcast is that I thought to myself, why haven't I looked up a furry podcast yet? So I did just that, and Straight From the Muzzle was one of the first results. That was earlier in June. I decided to listen to the first few, then go to more recent episodes. But then I just kept listening. I ended up listening to all the episodes while working. I even stopped listening to an audiobook I had just bought to listen to the podcast yeah <laughs> fuck reading <laughs> screw <laughs> <the> you <laughs> hearing how nice and open all of you guys are and hearing about everyone's struggles and how you have pushed on regardless of them has made me a lot more willing to open up about my feelings whether that's with my friends or hopefully a therapist in the near future i'm very socially anxious so it's really hard for me to talk to people especially in a group setting mm. but this podcast has given me a lot more confidence in myself An example of this confidence is that I got a bad dragon hoodie and I wear it to work. (laughs) Nice. That's great. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That's great. I work night shift, so the podcast has really helped me through the nights. Straight from the muzzle has also helped me feel a lot better about myself and about me being a furry. You guys have shown me that I really want to become a part of the furry fandom. So in order to do that, I have been trying to learn how to draw better for the past month. Here's my first and only drawing of Pira so far. And they actually sent some art in this email. And oh my gosh, if you just started drawing, this is really good. It is so cute. You would make some killer character badges for conventions. Absolutely. I'd commission one. These are adorable. Even if it's based off of like an already drawn thing, the fact of the matter is you got the shading down. Which Yeah, the shading looks great. 
most new people just don't get. So that was really cool. <laughs> we'll share that, the pictures and stuff, so you guys can see this. If you are wondering what the symbol is on the fourth face of their reference, that is a Homestuck reference. That's right. I'm a filthy Homestuck furry. I used to read Homestuck. It's a webcomic. Space, you probably don't know anything about it. I was thinking of like Homestar, like Homestar Runner, but nope. no. So it's nope. something different. <laughs> Homestuck is a really cringy fandom that's been around since... Sheesh. Since nice. I was in like late middle school, early high school, it's old. It's died out over the years, but it's kind of been rekindling online. No shame in being a Homestuck furry. <laughs> it was considered cringe when I left high school, but it's starting to make its comeback. So I get it. I was in a fandom. I cosplayed Cod Tier Gamsy. So if that tells you anything, <laughs> it's basically a clown with a cod piece, and I put a bike horn in it. So when you squeezed the cod piece, it honked. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what a cod piece is, Space? I think I do, but... It's like a fake penis. Plush. Like, it's not shaped like a penis. It's literally just like a bulge. It's a medieval thing. <laughs> Why? Why would you need a bulge? So, it was like... Is that what that size. is? Like on armor then, when they put a bulge there? It's not... Google cod piece and you'll see. But I made one of those and I wore it and I put a bicorn in it because the character is a clown. So that whenever I squeezed my cooch, it went... <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, I'll have to find a picture of me wearing it. It was literally from over ten years ago. I was just a teenager. <laughs> There's a lot more I could probably say, but I wanted to keep this email short. This definitely turned out as more of a word vomit than I was expecting. Sorry if this was hard to read and for any grammatical errors. I haven't written anything this long since high school. Sincerely, Pira. Honestly, no, your grammar was perfect, and that's coming from an English teacher, so no worries on that. Wow, this so was an a awesome lot email. of like ancient <laughs> stuff comes up and a lot of like BDSM stuff comes up too. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> I, you knew what it looked like. I knew what it looked like, but I didn't know. You know, it kind of reminds me of like the jock stuff yeah. that you use where you wear, a, what are they called? Wearing a cup. That's what it reminds me of. I could see that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I've never worn a cup. I don't have to. Anyways. <laughs> Okay. I, yeah. I loved this email. I loved how sincere you were. And I'm glad that you're gaining some confidence in yourself. Honestly, getting to feel more confident in yourself, regardless of how you get there, is a gift in its confidence. own sense. Because like, God, if you have confidence, then it just helps you in so many ways, not only in the furry fandom, but in the real world too. So I'm glad that we can help give you at least some of that. And confidence is a really interesting overall human feature, because it's not something you can take from someone it's something that you have to initially create yourself yeah it's kind of like jumping in the deep end of the pool once you do it then you're just like oh if i can do this then i can do other things so it's kind of like how confidence kind of works i call it experience points whenever i have to do something scary like i went white water rafting with my cousin and i didn't know you had to sit on the edge of the boat i thought you saw it inside of it so when they made us sit on the edge of it i was like oh my god i'm so scared right now and my cousin looked at me and goes but imagine how many experience points you're gonna get after this and i was like hell yeah you right <laughs> and then i did it so 
all I think about is seriously, what you just said, like experience points, the first thing that pops into my head was this Game Grumps video compilation of like all the different songs that they created. And then someone took those creations and actually put music behind it. Oh, I love that video. And there's one where he's like, got lots of pee pee. Oh yeah, baby pee pee. (laughs) 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 That's all I think of. So those are really funny videos. videos. We actually watched those at BLFC when we were going to sleep. Do you remember that? Yeah, they're hilarious. <laughs> All right, next email is coming from Sora Nightshade. Hello, Space, Ruby, Sparrow, Boomstar, and anyone else I'm forgetting. As you have seen from the header, I'd like to provide some basic background information on the origin of the Avali species. So first of all, the Avali race and species has been originated from the game most people know as Spore. I played Spore a lot when I was younger. That was a fun game. Spore. The Avali species live on an icy hell of a planet, and they live in massive cities. That's all I can think of from the top of my head. Thanks for reading this mess of an email. Sincerely, Sora Nightshade. Another email of ours actually mentioned the Avali species. And yeah. Space, didn't you end up looking it up? Because I'd never heard of them before. So I was like, wow, there is some similarity in between these two emails. And I'm like, what the what? Let's take a look. I haven't looked them up yet. I did. They have a wiki type page. It's a fandom wiki. And they're really cute. They almost look like moth foxes. They have really long ears. Multiple oh my god, ears. they're so cute looking. They're really cute. I like them. Oh. You know what? It looks like a Neopet. It looks yeah, like an intense it does. Neopet. Like a Bori mixed with a something else. I don't know. I like it. I think they're adorable. This is a species that needs to grow more. I'd love to see this. It's very unique. It's not just, you know, fluffy dragon thing. It looks neat. Yeah, this is really cool. I like it. We did an episode on Manokits, so maybe we'll do an episode on the Avali. I am doing... I'm just going to plug this here and now. I do want to do a couple of species of like called basically furries in space, which is just like species that are off world. And I want to kind of do episodes like that. So this gives us... Gives us... <laughs> Mary gives us... Um, <laughs> This gives us something to look at and then start studying. So I'm excited for that. You know, speaking of species, our seventh email comes from Ripley the Manokit, which was this the person that recommended we do an episode on Manokits? Yeah. And then they also sent us a telegram saying, I don't know if you got all my emails. I'm really sorry that I sent a bunch. And I'm like, no, no, we got them. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) We're just waiting to read them out loud. It's okay. Yeah. All right, so Ripley says, you might have seen me around a couple of times. I'm Ripley, or Foxafish, on Twitter. Also a highly illegal nature to species, Manokit. So when they say illegal to nature species, they're referencing our Manokit episode. They sent this email after we had uploaded it, because we essentially... They were the ones that suggested it. Yeah, they suggested the episode, and then we did the episode. And while Space and I both love how Manokits look, they're very cute. When we looked up the lore behind them, we were like, so many contradictions in the lore. So our final conclusion was, it's cute, we like it, but the lore makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's like, no information. And if we don't have enough information, how do we draw a conclusion? (laughs) I just love how they said like that we brutally like ripped them to shreds, because we did. Yeah, so they continue to say, I didn't expect the Manokit episode to be so brutal but it was pretty funny how much you guys ripped them to shred <laughs> i never paid attention to the lore that closely so i never noticed how messy it truly is there's a couple of things i want to say besides the announcement just made today on the telegram group chat so i am in the episode lgbtq plus books versus the world that was a really fun episode ruby and sparrow had some moments on texas being for lack of a better word 
bad. They're right about it being the go-to place to think about for pretty much anything opposite of progression, but it's a mixed bag. I've been living in Texas my entire life, whether I like it or not, but in all honesty, I've had a lot of good experiences with LGBTQ+, and I've had many friends who are in it. My school is really open about it, and I've seen a few same-sex couples around. I haven't seen any large hate towards LGBTQ+, at my school at all. Of course, there's things here and there. It's surprisingly rare. It helps that I live close by to Dallas, but it definitely depends on where you live in Texas to find the stereotypes you always hear about. And that's a good point. Yeah. When they say they live near Dallas, whenever you live near big cities in a state, they always tend to be a bit more liberal and it tends to be a bit safer for people in minorities. And that's typically because there's so much diversity going into the city itself. And I don't know if that's just like a phenomenon that happens only in cities, like major ones, but it just I think seems it has to, be... to do with if you live in a diverse area, you're going to be exposed to so many different types of people that your empathy grows as a human being versus if you are a more conservative person and you're biased against certain folks, you're certainly not going to want to live next to those people. So they end up moving to more rural areas to stay with the groups of people they agree with. So that's why cities tend to be more liberals because, you know, diverse people want to live in diverse areas. And to kind of like basically solidify that, you know, it really just depends on where you live. A couple years ago, Salt Lake City, Utah was named the number one gayest city in America, which I thought was the weirdest thing because Utah is such a Mormon state. It's highly religious, highly Republican. So it just like it says, it just really depends on where you go. Truly. Yeah, absolutely. So the second thing, today is my last day as a minor. Woo! It's really strange, honestly. I've been lazy on certain things like getting a license or, you know, learn how to ride a bike. It's funny yet slightly embarrassing how long it's taken. <laughs> <laughs> I plan to work on these things very soon, but when you turn 18, it's a huge milestone. You're an adult, according to the public, but I feel like a total child. In the end, turning 18 doesn't feel like much has changed. I'm still me. I never expected not to be, but it's a big step in my life. I'm excited for what's to come, even to work a job that I might hate. I wouldn't really change who I am. There's my issues that I have from time to time, but I love the person I am and I wouldn't trade it. Thank you for reading and thank you for making this podcast. It's been an absolute blast to listen to. And if you ever want some listeners to interview, I'll throw my hat into the ring. Why not? Ripley the Manokit. So I loved what you said at the end there. Turning 18 doesn't feel like much has changed. You're still you. And even if you work a job that you hate, it won't change who you are. Things like right. that. Honestly, I think we need more people in the world who understand that your job doesn't have to be your life's work. You can work a job that provides you with the schedule and the money that you need to live your life outside of your work. Yeah. Or you can find a job that also really is within your interests and it works out really well. It just mm -hmm. really depends on the situation. It could depend on the situation. I love that their core value is that they still love who they are. And that is something that's really unique to find in an 18-year-old because they're always like, a lot of them are trying to be something they're not. And the fact that this person is the opposite, it really does. I think it's really cool. I think you're a step ahead in that sense. And you'll get your license eventually. I know a lot of people take a while to get their license nowadays because it can be so daunting. I got mine as soon as I could, but that's because I lived in rural Georgia and just to get to the closest store, I needed a car. So, but you'll get there, just practice. And if you need somebody in the car with you, then get somebody that you trust, you know, and I mean, you could learn to ride a bike or you could just rent one of those scooters that are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so, bike or know. like 
either way. You know, or get, what are those? Get a segue. You know, there you go. Life is all golden <laughs> for you. <laughs> Meet in the middle between car and bike is the segue. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's basically as good as it gets there. Oh, gosh. All right, Space, I'm going to let you answer this next one. James asks, do you have any advice for new furries or furries who just created their fursona? So for new furries, I'll take that one first. Take it all in. Absorb everything that you can, but also take your time. Don't feel like you need to be pressured into creating a fursona. Don't feel like you need to be pressured to buying a fursuit because a lot of people see that and they're like, oh, that's what I need to be in order to be a furry. And that's not the case at all. Furry is a culture, not an object. Yeah. Like how many years were you in the fandom before you got your fursuit? Like you just nine? got your fursuit like two years ago. Yeah, like, and you've so been in this years? fandom for 12 yeah. years. So a long time. <laughs> And, you know, it's it just take your time, enjoy things, learn things, be optimistic and be open-minded because it's definitely not a place where there's just one thought. There's like a bajillion going on out there. It's diverse. You'll definitely find your place. That's for sure. And remember that furries are people first. Yeah. Like other fandoms, it's a piece of media first, but furries are people first because we make up the parts of our fandom. And that's genuinely what's really cool about it is that yeah. basically we're fans of our own art, but we're fans of other people's art who are, again, their own creation, which is such a cool thing to have. We're fans of each other. Yeah. Also, just one more thing to keep in mind, if you're a new furry, there is a stereotype that furry drama. Remember that the fandom is what you make it. So if you surround yourself with positive people, with good people who are just there to spread joy, then you're going to be just fine. But if you surround yourself in people who only ever talk about drama or only want to get involved in that kind of thing, then it'll feel like a more negative space. So just make sure you pay attention to who you choose to surround yourself with, who you choose choose to form bonds with and just, you know, make it your own. Going on that, like, just like basically drama in general, if you want to find it, you'll find it. But drama is everywhere. (laughs) Reality, it is everywhere. It's 365, 24-7. But it really depends on, like you said, how you surround yourself. When it comes to our podcast, I like to follow people who aren't necessarily dramatic. They're kind of just neutral. So when, like, things come up, usually Sparrow knows about it first before I do. And that's because we just don't follow that type of of aspect of the fandom. We want to really just celebrate, you know, people and their artwork. And that's kind of what we do. And it works out good. Now, creating a fursona, again, be open-minded. You know, if you want to go down that route where it's all like neon, everything, cool, go down that route. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. If you've just created your fursona, awesome. Maybe go and create a profile and start to really develop yourself. Have fun with it. Go with what feels right to you. Even if it's the most basic design you could think of, even if it's the most colorful, like Disney World vomit design you could think of, and that feels true to you. Go for it. I know um, Felix and I actually had a conversation at BLFC because Felix's character is just a fox. And I also have a character that is just a macaw, like no real special markings. It's just what the animal looks like Mm -hmm. in real life as an anthro. And characters like that have their own benefits, right? Or vice versa. If you get some fantastical being that has all these crazy design aspects to it, just go with your heart when it comes to your persona. It doesn't matter if it's basic. It doesn't matter if it's complex. Do whatever the hell you want to do. If that means having a ginormous sized body and a tiny head and tiny hands, awesome. (laughs) Go with it. (laughs) 
I will support you 100%. It's whatever you want it to be. It's just a furry version of the Indiana Jones boulder. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so great. (laughs) All right. Next email is coming from Hunter, coming back from Fernal Equinox. They say, hey there, guys. It's Hunter again. I last emailed you in February before going to my very first furry convention. Well, I went to Fernal Equinox in Toronto, seeing how it was the closest to me, and it definitely went well. I had lots of fun. I made new friends in the fandom, and I am now looking into going to more conventions next year, maybe even Anthrocon. I am also trying my hand at making my own fursuit, so slowly picking away at it and learning as I go. Since my last email, I have been able to bring my fursona hunter to life, as well as an OC named Stella. Love you guys, and keep up the great work. Also, take all the time you need. Everyone needs a break now and then. Right. I love getting emails from people that are, like, catching us up on emails they've sent before. Like, the fact that the first email we got from Hunter was talking about, like, I want to go to a furry convention. It'll be my first con. Blah, blah, blah. And then uh, coming back and saying, hey, guys, I went. Here's how it went. Yeah. And here's what I'm doing now. I love that. I love seeing how y'all are progressing in your confidence and progressing in your little spot in the fandom. Also, congrats on learning how to make fursuits. That is always so fun for me to hear. It is super cool. Our last email. (laughs) Okay, this one, like we debated, like, do we read this one? Do we not read this one? So I'm going to read this one exactly as it is written and do not hate me for it. But (laughs) I'm going to try to sound it out as best as I can. So they said, hello, I'm Coffee Bean (laughs) Da'ada. Or the honor, I guess. Ah, I hope you're reading this right now. I love your podcast. I've been listening since the Paco Panda episode because he is my idol in caps. But anyways, I wanted to ask if I could share a story with you, with the community and how you, yes, you helps me get through the past few difficult months and how people in my situation should deal with their problems. Please email me back if you're interested. So <laughs> This is our email back. Yes, we are interested. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Very much so. Also, so. love seeing that you're a fan of Paco. Paco is such an awesome person. Didn't we see some of Paco Panda's artwork in the BLFC yeah. art auction? I, uh, I talked with Paco. I was like, hey, are you going to be at BLFC? And he was like, yeah, but I didn't win the raffle to get into the dealer's den. And then he's like, I'll just have some stuff in the charity auction. And I saw that. And I'm like, oh, Paco. But they were all sold out. Yeah. I didn't see Paco running around at all. We must have missed him. Yeah, must have. Because that would have been really cool to meet him. That was a really cool episode. And now he has a book out. So I'm really excited because I want to touch base with him again and see how things are going and what's new on his horizon. Paco's really hitting them milestones. Goddamn. Hells yeah. Proud of him. But yeah. Coffee Bean to Otter. Feel free to send an email our way if you want to talk about your story. We're always willing to hear y'all's perspectives, to hear y'all's little paths in life. And, you know, again, like we mentioned earlier, furries are people first. So if we're all fans of one another, then we want to hear about you. Absolutely. As always, we want to thank everyone for listening, but we also want to thank those who emailed in uh, for us to have the opportunity to read those and then respond to them. It's always lots of fun to do. If you guys ever want to send us an email, you can. It's talktothemuzzle at gmail.com. You can literally tell us anything you want. Just don't tell us about murders and stuff because I'm going to turn you in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Straight up. Straight up. I'm just going to be like, 
you're guilty. <laughs> You'll look right in the webcam, right at your assigned FBI agent, and be like, "Um, I got some information. <laughs> I got some. I got some work for you." <laughs> But literally, just send us whatever. If you want to send us a story, great. If you want us to tell us about your like your life, an update, whatever it is, we love seeing those come in. We love reading them. If we don't get back to you right away, trust me, I will get back to you. Eventually. It usually means we're saving it for an email episode like this. Right. And sometimes I do the spaced out and we'll all read emails then if I get any. But we've had so many in the past month or so that I wanted to take the opportunity to do a fangasms and not a spaced out episode. So that's a lot of fun. Where else can they find us? They can find us at... At Twitter and our at is from the muzzle. And if you want to email us, like Space said, we have talk to the muzzle at gmail.com. And we also have a telegram channel, it's steadily growing, not too big to be intimidating, but just big enough to be a good time. So if you want access to that, we will have a link in the episode description. Yep. And that's pretty much it. That's all she wrote. Hell yeah. Well, we will see you guys in the next episode and we'll talk to you then. Okay. Have a good one, everyone. Bye. Bye.